Okay, I think we we just start then. Um, hello. Can you hear me very well, everywhere in the room? Yeah. Perfect. Um, hello and welcome, everyone, and thanks for coming. Um, those of you who don't know me, which are few, I think, uh, I'm Ruben Kravis. I'm a PhD here at the Pace Department in Warwick, and uh, I'm part of the Warwick Critical Finance Group that uh, sort of organised that view, uh, that uh, dialogue tonight, and it's. Uh, the second dialogue we're, we, we've organized, um, a hint, the first is available online on a podcast that we have. Uh, Critical Finance, uh, it's available, available on iTunes, but also on our website, which you should all look up and uh, find. Uh, John's here, John was on the last dialogue, and uh, it's really worth to listen to it. Um, but yeah, we think that the format of a dialogue uh, last time has like cool potential in a way because it's a bit different to to a lecture and a bit different to a panel discussion. And um, so I see today a bit as well as a way to uh, yeah contribute to exploring the potential of dialogues as a format for, for academic engagement. Uh, so uh, I hope it will we we'll ca uh, can make it an event that is. Uh, as close to a conversation as possible, and as far away from a from a lecture or from a panel discussion as possible. Um, although we will have some lecture elements, hopefully as well, because we want to learn as much as we can from our guests. Um, the dialogue's topic is uh, financialization, which has obviously become very, very big um, research topic, very prominent in critical study of finance, in political economy, but also across other domains. And uh, a bit following the fate of neoliberalism, it's also like um, sometimes uh, used or taken for granted a bit too quickly. So we thought let's invite some people. Um, yeah, we invited two scholars that uh, are very experienced in financialization research uh, to reflect on the current juncture of financialization. Um, reflect on the rise, the various uses of it, and its future prospects, perhaps. And I have to say that we're incredibly grateful um, and humbled that the two of you accepted our invitation to come here today uh, and make this event uh, possible. Uh, thank you very much for that. And, yeah, so I'd like to welcome with great pleasure Yves Japano and Pauline Gliedel. Is that right? Yes. Perfect. Um, Pauline is a emeritus professor at uh, University of uh, Westminster and currently works on the financialization of non-financial firms, uh, mainly big pharma. Mm -hmm. And uh, Eve is professor at EHES, which is, okay, my French, École des Hautes-Études en Sciences Sociales in Paris. <laughs> and recently published a chapter in the International Handbook of Financialization, edited by... Really? It will be published. Oh. Have some revision to do. Very, very good. Team. So today we and should so do some co <laughs> some collective uh, brainstorming. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, yeah, I just have to rewrite two paragraphs. That's okay. <laughs> Almost the same. <laughs> and okay. So that's for the, for that handbook that's uh, edited by Phil Maida, amongst yes, others, who actually was the uh, first. And and he was the uh, the first speaker we invited as uh, critical finance professor. It's a very good team. <laughs> okay, so uh, maybe please uh, join me in welcoming the two with a quick applause. Thank you very much.
And the way I wanted to open the dialogue was to um, ask you about the continued relevance of uh, financialization. And uh, it's very much the question based on one of the experiences I've recently had in uh, teaching my undergrads that where I realized they don't know what the financial crisis was anymore. <laughs> and uh, I just took it for granted when I talked to them about finance that they would like sort of know the implications the crisis had, but they didn't know anymore. And I wondered, um, yes, if you could, uh, yeah, how, how you would go about convincing a first-year student with little or no memory of the financial crisis, <laughs> uh, that paying attention to financialization actually is important and um, maybe use that as a way of um, telling us about your interest in financialization as well. Um, do you want to uh, well, I suppose one of the questions that's interesting, as uh, I'm not a finance academic, is, um, I mean, did the students understand, I suppose, the inherent instability of market-based systems, you know, the susceptibility to boom and bust. Because, of course, we had a Chancellor of the Exchequer, Gordon Brown, um, about 10 years ago, who was boasting about the end of boom and bust in the UK. He now denies that he said it, but I actually found a Guardian article yesterday where they listed, I think, four or five examples where he had said this. So, so is that what they think? Do they think that there are no more financial crises? Do they think it's sort of still water? My students? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dialogue with you, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just answer, please. Well, I was just interested when you said that. To them, I, it, seemed, it seemed to me that to them, to them like the, the impact that crisis had on, on several levels of society, but also on, on political engagements and uh, ideas about how to do economic, um, economic policies, was just not there. And I think when I started studying politics, it was largely because it, the crisis happened and like, I was politicized by that. Right. Whereas for them, like, how was finance political wasn't really clear. Right. Mm -hmm. So economics is not political either, in their view. Possibly. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in terms of evidence, sorry, I don't want to steal your thunder. I, I, I was talking earlier and saying about various um, academic industries, and we had Foucault was a great industry about 10 years or so for UK academics. Financialization has now become a great academic industry, and there has been about a tenfold increase in the number of publications about financialization in the period since the crisis compared with before, and something you've probably also noticed, it goes across, I think, a much larger range of disciplines, like even economic anthropology, so everybody's getting in on the act. So to that extent alone, <laughs> it's certainly been talked about a lot. Whether it's worth talking about um, is, is another issue. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what they know before, you know, <laughs> because uh, you cannot say that financialization was just uh, a, the moment of the big crisis, as you know. It starts a few decades before, so it, it depends, no? What is the culture of your, your students? I just answer for the students and then I go on, no? <laughs> for the students, I think a good trick would be to start with the student loan. 
because mm. for me, uh, uh, this idea of uh, asking students to pay very high and to say, okay, you are going to pay very high, but you, we are be given some loans and the loans will be guaranteed by the states, it's a perfect example of the financialization of, uh, of public policies. And so I think they are suffering from that. <laughs> I hope they are suffering because, <laughs> and, uh, because so maybe it's a, I think it's a very good uh, example of, uh, of one of the dimension of the financialization that I think it is still very relevant and it is still growing uh, in the sense that, uh, um, well, as you know, I, I'm, I'm defining financialization very specifically now as uh, the way uh, people are, are um, people. We have to say which people, <laughs> but uh, people are reconstructing the financing circuits and especially for public policies, relying more on uh, financial actors that are providing voluntarily financing. <laughs> like for education, no? These banks are providing voluntarily loans to the students, <laughs> no? And so, and of course, it changed completely the, the way uh, education uh, is, is financed when you rely on loans rather than on public expenses directly. And so, um, so I think these, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm just uh, mixing everything, but. <clears throat> Uh, I think this uh, this process is at stake in very in many different uh, uh, public policy uh, sector. It can be, uh, in general, all every uh, field of the social welfare policies are concerned by that. Uh, you could take uh, then it depends on the countries, of course. <laughs> Again, in UK, it's very advanced, the financialization of public policy. In France, it's not so advanced, so <laughs> but still it is, uh, it is going on, but it, it can concern the, the retirement system, it can concern the health security system, it can concern education, we talked about that, it can concern um, the environmental policy, health policy, and so we can make the demonstrations for a lot of things. And, and the, the problem I see with all that is that in the end, it's not possible to, you know, for um, a state, like, I'm French, so states <laughs> exist, you know? <laughs> Sorry for that, but it would be a, a, a very short, I, I know all the shortcomings of this, uh, this one, but uh, um, I, I don't think it is possible to develop a public policy without paying. And so if you ask other people to pay for your public policy, you're not going to be able to, to have exactly what you want. Uh, and, um, and, in the, and what could I add to that? <laughs> that uh, I think that uh, financialization of public policy um, is very demanding also for public money. I just have come back again for, to the, the case of student loan. Uh, in the UK, the student loans are guaranteed by the uh, UK government, and as you know, <laughs> uh, not all every student can reimburse. And in the end, who is going to uh, to cover for the expenses? It's the UK government. So in the end, uh, the expense will be made by the UK government, and so 
it was some, somehow useless, except that it is not the same student that, uh, that have received education and that you are increasing inequalities. So we could go on like that uh, for a long time, but yes. So for me, yes, financialization is not only about financial markets, it's about a complete change of all the financing circuits, especially in the public sector. Mm. Yes. Long answer? <laughs> I don't know if it was clear what I'm, I said. No, really, yeah. So uh, I think we're going to, yeah, you, you touched <laughs> upon like quite a few uh, uh -huh. topics that I think we're going to unpick. Um, I, before we start diving into sort of um, conceptual discussions, or sort of, also like the, the empirical idea, like uh -huh. what is being uh, financialized, I'd be a bit interested just to hear from the two of you, like how you, how you Okay. Got into like studying, like uh, what what got you hooked at? Mm. I want to do. Okay. I want to study financialization. <laughs> Sorry, I just like to say I think student loan is a brilliant thing to because students usually only react; they're very um, instrumental to something that affects them. <laughs> so I think you could do a sort of extended piece of casework about this. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I will leave this. Um, yes, how did I get into financialization? Um, I mean, I was an accountant originally, did economics, uh, was an accidental accountant actually, and actually did two degrees in psychology and tried to escape accounting, but nothing, <laughs> I've even published once or twice in other disciplines. But essentially in my PhD I had this case study which was about the transformation of one particular factory based in the northeast of England, which is an area of high unemployment and so on, and how in the case of about nine months uh, the, uh, the, the factory had turned around and all the power relationships had changed. And for a long time I couldn't find any framework that fitted what I had found, but I knew it was very interesting. And then um, I discovered financialization, and so I was able to develop the case study. And from there, um, you know, I've continued. I find it very interesting. Um, I've looked at biotech firms, which, as some of you know, uh, quoted biotech firms are highly speculative. Um, if you look at their published accounts, and the lists of the risks um, they discuss are absolutely horrendous, but obviously there is the potential for real gain there. Um, so basically I've continued, I suppose, I'm interested in R&D intensive firms generally. I did, did one other publication in that, not around financialization, because of course the issue about R&D is the high risk associated with it, and really sort of um, how this is sort of managed within firms. Um, so that's a summary of that. My most recent thing that I am working on is this idea of trying to get some coherence around the operationalization or the categorization of what we mean by financialization, because as I said earlier, there's people everywhere using the term and having great fun and that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm sort of thinking, well, actually, there is a role for having some sort of definition here, but suitably defined that it's actually useful, but suitably broad that it's not too limiting. Um, so, 
I guess that's how I would summarize um, my career journey, as people say. Okay, uh, I've been interested in financialization. Uh, I, I don't have a, such a long story. <laughs> no, but uh, actually, I, uh, okay, I, um, you, may, you may know the book I published like almost 20 years ago with Luc Boltanski called The New Spirit of Capitalism. And um, this, in this book, we were um, presenting a history of management and capitalism since the 60s. It was from 68 to 95, exactly. <laughs> and so, and so it was. Uh, we had these big narratives about the change of capitalism. And okay, so I did that. And but I was employed by a business school, by a business school in an accounting department. <laughs> So I couldn't, you know, go on making big narratives about capitalism. I, I may confess that in my school no one has read the book. It's incredible, but that's true. And so, so what I did after that, I, I, I did some uh, sociology of accounting, sociology of management tools, things like that, and finally I could escape uh, in... Uh, 2013, the business school to be recruited at uh, the Advanced School for Social for Research in Social Science. This, that's more or less the translation, <laughs> uh, uh in Paris. And then when I arrived there, I thought, okay, that's good. I'm going back to capitalism. <laughs> and what happened is that when we were finishing the book in the end of the 90s, 90s. It was obvious that finance was already there. You had already had the, oh, um, the Big Bang now at the end of the 80s in London. I was uh, young. Uh, I had just received my degree at the end of the 80s, also master degree, and it was very obvious that something was going on in uh, in finance at that time. And so, but we we couldn't open the the box, especially because in France financialization was not yet there, because you know it, the, most of the laws have been passed during the 90s, so it was not so obvious at the time. It became obvious afterwards. But I had this in mind that there was a part of the story that was not, of course. So when I came back to uh, uh, when I I've been recruited by the school, the school, I say, okay, I'm back to the. I will be back to uh, the big history of capitalism. <laughs> and what is, what's next? <laughs> what's next? That's financialization. And there, there is actually, I, I had to submit a research program, and there is also another, another side of the research program, which is about ecological transition. But as you know, this part of the story is not yet there. So <laughs> it would be uh, afterwards. So that's why I started to work on financialization. And, and as I was, as I've been working on how to use accounting, how to use management tools, instruments to say something behind, beyond, beyond accounting and management tools, I said, okay, I will look at financialization from calculation, um, from um, accounting standards, from management tools, and so on, and here we are. And so it was five years from now, yeah. and hopefully I finished in two years, and I, and then I will never talk anymore about financialization. <laughs> two years. 
<laughs> I, uh, that's a really good um, way to walk on, I think. Like, I'd, I'd like to sort of um, develop a bit upon the... Both of you have now spoken about like taking a particular analytical approach to what financialization is supposed to be. You say like that, maybe there are a few too many analytical concepts around, floating around. And it, it strikes me that you are both like working sort of at different ends of uh, of financialization mm -hmm. studies, and I wondered if you so could like sort of maybe reflect. At least on we share the accounting uh, interest. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah so I like, know if, that, if, but uh, you could, <laughs> now you know it. <laughs> if you could like uh, re reflect mm -hmm. on the mm, yeah on sort of the particular approach you've taken mm -hmm. and sort of the links that you that you see between the approaches that you are taking respectively, mm -hmm. then I think that would be interesting too. Mm -hmm. um, yes, well, I mean, I think our approaches are quite com compatible. Um, I mean, I very much like the way Eve uses active network theory, which I haven't looked at for about 15 years, but I thought it was a very sort of powerful tool when uh, I looked at it in terms of explaining, say, how events that are taken for granted, in fact, came about by sort of coalitions of various interest groups and so on. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not using the correct language. And you're, you're talking at quite an abstract level mm -hmm. of, the, of the way finance colonizes um, and the particular processes used, mm -hmm. um, such as tangibilization. Um, what I'm talking about is a much more detailed one, as, as Ruben was saying, a bit unhappy with the way um, financialization as a term is used rather promiscuously, um, and just saying, actually, I think it would be quite helpful to have some sort of definition about what we're talking about. And so obviously look, looking at the literature quite widely, and also discussing um, some of the issues. I'm talking about using accounting numbers because I think they're more readily understood than some of the value-added approaches that have been put forward. But on the other hand, as we all know, accounting numbers aren't perfect and that I would actually suggest maybe using a range of measures of financialization including non-financial mm -hmm. measurements such as job losses. Again, what do you measure the job losses against? M&As um, and, and so on. So I think what we're trying to do um, is quite compatible. I mean, I can see that I, I think um, the way you put your ideas together in the paper, um, they could be used quite widely to look at different aspects mm -hmm. okay. of financial mm -hmm. services. So maybe you could uh, get some of your research students to <laughs> go off and have a look yeah. at these. Of course, there may well be a problem gaining access to this mm -hmm. because I think there are a lot of hidden charges, obviously, in things like pensions and all the rest of it. And uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but you probably know a lot more about getting access for these. That's difficult. Yeah. I think there is one point. Okay. I think. Um, we, we, I think we could talk about. Uh, we could exchange about that. You already addressed the question, but. 
my first uh, relation with accounting numbers is to, is to disconstruct them. <laughs> so that's the first point, because usually I, I think that uh, the way you, you account is not a true story, of course, it's the result of power relationship and so on, and so that profit is a convention, for example. <laughs> It's only a convention, and so when you change accounting figures, it's just a way to get more money. And so I don't think that profit exists, for example, which is usually very scary for economists, not for accountants, because they know that. <laughs> <laughs> but economists, are, are, are they, they think it's a very scary idea that uh, there is no such a thing like profit. But I really think that. So my first uh, inclination when I see any calculation is to try to find out what is political, social, and what is embedded in the, in the figures. So uh, as far as looking at accounting figures is uh, concerned, what I like to do is to look at the shift in the accounting framework, things like that. So. Um, Yes, and so in, in our period of time, it was not the case in the 19th century when, when you have no standardization, but now it's a lot about the change in accounting standards, for example, that could be followed, and uh, as uh, the change in IFRS, of IFRS, huh? you know, international accounting standards. Okay, so that would be one way of discussing and to look at how these changes in standardization, accounting standards, uh, was an help for uh, capital order to get more money from, uh, from um, companies. So, and the other point I, f I think uh, is that I'm interested in, in what people do with tools, calculation and so on in order to, to get more, let's put it very simply, get more money from <laughs> from their, their, the, the venture in which they invest. No? It's more or less the story. So they can use calculation to change the representation and to get more from that. They can use uh, legal contracts, they can use everything. But the thing that I'm following the, the arrangements, but we still need to have people making the account <laughs> and to really follow the money and get the balance and provide this image of, oh, from where the money comes from, where it goes, and so on. And we know that nowadays it's very difficult to make that, to make this calculation, to make it visible. And so I think it's very important to work with those who are at ease with all these things, like uh, finance scholar, accounting scholars, also leg lawyers, legal scholars. All Actually, we have to recruit, you know, in, uh, people uh, that are used to work in professional service firms mm. in, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, in these practices where they're just helping people to make money, and we have to recruit them into the academia so that they can explain us, you know, they're usually what making too much money. <laughs> no, it depends. Sometimes <laughs> some are so um, shocked by what they see that. <laughs> Yeah, they can decide it to change, no? Mm -hmm. Okay, or once they are, they, they, they are rich, they can shift. Sometimes it happens. 
but uh, yes, so yes, and so I think we really need nowadays what is really important to develop. It's very difficult it's to develop the, the alternative accounts uh, and to go beyond what is shown. And okay, and if it was if it were a political uh, project, I would say we have to uh, ask for more disclosure. <laughs> on what is not disclosed, especially uh, transaction fees, transaction cost, all the money that is never disclosed, which is paid to intermediaries and so on, which is quite a lot, actually. Well, it's huge amounts. Yeah. This is a and percentage it, of billions yeah. in the case. And it's not disclosed at all. You, mm. you never know, for example, when you have an IPO, you don't know how much the, the bank is taking. Mm. <laughs> it's not disclosed. Mm. You don't know how much is taking are taking the, the lawyers and you know you have many banks around the table each one having but I mean usually in a, well, in an American IPO perspective you have transaction fees you have the lawyers you have uh, the underwriting uh -huh. fees yes. all oh you have it yeah. okay in but America I don't know in France no I think we don't have <laughs> and you have a lot which is also hidden do you have everyone? Every not, maybe not everyone, but yeah, you do have the fees. Because, yeah, okay. Well, the, so. the fees, as you are probably aware, yeah. will be hid, hidden but in the spread. But this is for IPOs. Yeah. For example, for private equity, you will no, not no. have, of course. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're, you're and no is, is it public in the on the website of the the SEC or where mm. is it published? It's or is it in the, the prospect? In the red herring prospectus. Yes. Which not everybody has access to. Yes, that's the point. Did you say red herring? Yes, that's what the IPO oh. prospectus is called. Oh. Yes, so only those who participate, who are invited in the roadshows, they get the access. So, yes, we still have to. <laughs> yeah. Do you mm. yes, so. find that a, I'm sorry? Do you find that there's a true figure, um, a history of the Bank of England, there are two things I came across. One, that I'm sorry. Sorry. So they said that all the things that they were using were all cooked. And then the second thing was that all, when they look back at the things that they used at the time to produce knowledge, uh, they just couldn't remember, or they remembered it differently. Um, the so intermediaries, because yeah. when you interview them, or uh, no. So I was reading kind of about uh, oh. these that did work. They just said that they recognised the figures. That were used at the time. Yeah. Um, so if you, even if you do have access to accounting within the firm, mm -hmm. then is there is there like a true centre that you can get to, or is it always going to be? Yeah. And I, and I think also that one of the problems we have nowadays is that almost no one has the the complete pictures because. This different, this very strange word is that every participant in this uh, in this arrangement, they, they they each have their own accounts. They know how much they pay and how much they get, no. And each one is optimizing its own account, and so no no one has. We cannot have the complete picture. No. What would be nice is to have a, a good hacker. You know, hacking all the participants, <laughs> and with all the <laughs> with all the accounts, we could maybe have an idea of what is going on. No? But isn't kind of like you know, the stress testing scenarios that yeah. some bank who tries to do something? No, I don't think they are doing that. And the 
the stress test for banks? Like, I mean, so the, they have a relationship between all the major financial players, right? and yeah. then they submit responses to certain scenarios, and then they try to figure out who's trying to do, what's go who's going to affect who in what way. Yeah. Don't think. No, I, I really think that only we would be able to do that with archives, or we can, you know, let's say, in 30 years, when the archives of these deals will be, we are talking about deals, would be... But, but private equity deals wouldn't be archives, right? Oh, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe someone will, will find that it could be nice to <laughs> put the archives. It depends. You can have access to all some archives. Well, sorry, you have to forgive my ignorance on this, but presumably uh, private equity firms have to produce accounts, don't they? I mean, where will they be based? Or are they based in some fancy location? Or, you know, for... Yes, they are based on fancy location. In every, for example, in a private equity deal, I'm not doing, looking at that, but you can have, like... Five or six lo different locations. No. I'm sorry? The accounts won't be on a transaction basis. No, no, yes, yes, yes. Oh, so you will not know which transaction you'll It relates to, yes, mm -hmm. yes. No, we really need to have people from inside. <laughs> so it's yeah. all, yes, all. Yes, I'd like to tell that there is an issue that. <laughs> but still, uh, it's important to have accounting people, no? Sure. In part of in, I wonder, in the uh, team. <laughs> how, how back a little bit to yeah. going back from maybe trouble in the empirical work to uh, the conceptual side of okay, it. Okay, good. Uh, wondered if, actually, I'm, I'm just really interested if you find there are certain conceptions of financialization that annoy you or like <laughs> or that you think like are sort of dim like yeah are, are, are have difficult theoretical implications or something that you where mm -hmm. you think like it's there yeah they if there are certain misconceptions that you yeah. that you come across over and over no actually there are you know, there are two ways of using financialization, let's put it like that. There is a, just like very standard way as a context, no? So I think this is not very useful. It's like saying in the neoliberal period we are in, you can say, mm. you can change neoliberal with financialization. I think this is not interesting analytically to use it very broadly like that, but then I think you can use the term if you decide what it is in your own research. I think Pauline is saying what it is for her, financialization. I, I say what it is for me. <laughs> you know, it's looking at these uh, valuation and instruments coming into the um, changing circuits, financial circuits. So you have many definitions of uh, financialization. The, I think the most important thing is to be sure what you mean when you say that, mm -hmm. and to be careful defining the concept. And, and of course you cannot put, I think the, the main problem is to, yes, not to define the concept and to think that uh, narrow definition, which is useful when you make research, to operate because it's only a narrow definition enables you to operationalize and to see financialization. If not, so the, the, the only problem is when you rely on, narrow, on a narrow definition, operationalizable definition, is 
is not to forget that it is a narrow definition. It's not a big thing. Mm -hmm. For example, if when I if I talk about let's say financialization of uh, international accounting, it is a very specific meaning. It does not mean everything like uh, the you know the size of the financial market or or the change in the GDP. Uh, uh, Split between labor and capital, something else. You know? mm. So I. Um, but one but sorry. Yeah, well, I think yeah. one advantage is, mm. although there are you know great different chunks of the literature that view financialization differently. You mentioned Natasha Van der Sam, as none of you probably know. Her 2014 article is really useful and hugely, hugely cited when I looked it up. But what what is helpful is that although the causes of financialization are contested, there is much more general agreement about what the outcomes are. Um, so, you know, I've done this in my own paper, but sort of put it together. So that in itself is actually very helpful when you're looking at my area, which is non-financial corporations. So yes, it's but not maybe you could use another word to say the same. What operationalization? No, for you said about outcomes. Um, because are you sure that the outcome of financialization could be outcome of something else? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I, so. I was I was quoting <laughs> it from a paper of a French academic. Mm -hmm. You might mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. Mathieu Montalban. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, he he says that you know there might be disagreement about the causes, but the outcomes are the same. So I'm sticking with Mathieu. Uh, Do you have uh, like another view? No, yes, but uh, just to answer the second part of your question, I think the, the, the misunderstanding, and because sometimes when I start working with this word, let's say it like that, people were saying, yes, but it's just marketization. It just, yes, it's, it's, is it different? And I was, I had to fight to say, yes, <laughs> it's not about, it can be about making market, it can, it can be about making new commodities like securities, but it is not necessary. It depends. It's not necessary to have market. You can have new securities that are not marketized. <coughs> Maybe for some of you it would be quite strange, but you cannot you just you can sell securities without putting them in a market. Exchange are not every exchange is not a market exchange first. And secondly, uh, you can also have financialization without commodification. And like, in my meaning, if you just have, for example, one of my meaning is when people start looking at the questions with, um, uh, with um, Capital lens. Let's put it like that. Let's say, okay, do you look at, do you look at education? Let's go back to education, and you say, oh, it's uh, investment in uh, human capital, which is so it's investment into human capital. So who can invest? You can ask uh, private people to invest, and so and so. It, it is a start. It's for me. It's the first step of financialization, where you change the way you look at things. Mm. It's not anymore education, it's investment in something, you know? And for me, it's one of the first steps. And so here, in that, I just take this example. In this example, no commodity, no market, 
but still something like a change in the, the way you look at something. For me, it's the first move toward financialization. Mm -hmm. When you, yeah. So maybe, yes, okay, you want to? Wouldn't the point there be that it's, it's this, it follows the same log logic, it follows a market logic, you know? When you call something an investment, you're imagining it as... No, it's not the market logic. Investing is not market logic, it's investing. Market logic, for me, it means that you have a competition, that you have, you have, um, um, you have supposedly some price, you have, etc. You can decide to invest. If you, you can even invest, you know, buying or decide to build. Yeah, you you will build with your own hands something in your house. No, you are investing. Where is the market there? But you can look at that as being investment in the value of your house and you will get a return when you... Of course, you don't go very far with that, but at least you change the way you look at the story. So but I think you could also and use then the you co concept of enterprise and mm -hmm. enterprising, enterprising sales, which is something I got involved in, yeah. which you could say is maybe the beginning of moving using the framework you were talking about, to then progressing to financialization. Yes, corporatization. For me, it's something else again. Mm. It's something, um, it's, yeah. Because sometimes I use it, in, in public policy I have that also, because I have some, I, actually the students, my students are doing the fieldwork, I'm not doing any more fieldwork now. But uh, for example, I have students on public policies are working in place where there is not so much financialization, mm -hmm. but what we find out is this um, impulse, uh, this demand to some social sector or NGOs to behave as yes. corporations. Yes, yes. And they have to, to be, you know, to reflect on themselves as being yeah. autonomous, yeah. to find to be, to find a sustainable business model and so on. So you call that co corporate? Yes, entrepreneurship or corporate, no. Interpretation yeah. would be better. Yeah, okay. Know? And I, I, so it's I, this idea of that, that some they should rely on themselves, yeah. they should earn their own money, they should find that, uh, yeah. you know, a sustainable business model and you have this push, for example, in art sector and so on, they say we, we are not going to subsidize anymore the art sector, mm -hmm. you need to win your own thing to mm -hmm. be autonomous and so on. Mm -hmm. So for me this is enterpriseation. Right. But this does not mean that you will end up with having uh, private investors mm. getting, trying to get right. some return from that. Right. Right. I think in the UK, <laughs> I mean, I'm not familiar with this literature anymore. No, it's it my own definition. Oh, right. I just, I just yeah. make very clear category. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about the ideas of enterprise from Nicholas Rose mm. and Paul Duguay, yes. mm. and um, which then were developed in a special issue I led, mm. which was looking at this notion that you were talking about of people being encouraged to think of themselves as enterprising uh, yes. in all sorts of different sectors of their lives. Enterprising of oneself. Yeah, so enterprising selves and yeah, identity. Okay. So, so I'd be interested to hear from you, like, so if you say for you they are very similar. Yeah, well, Enterpri you know, yeah. enterprising logic and a financialization logic. What, what for you is that stake to call it financialization? Well, actually, what, what I was suggesting was that um, what Eve was talking about in mar marketization 
versus financialization was much more similar to what I'd got involved with 10 years ago, which was this notion of enterprise. And there are, there are interesting mm -hmm. papers around that. I see that as being different from financialization. Mm -hmm. I mean, Eve is very yeah. good at picking apart definitions, but <laughs> I, I would see it, uh, maybe it is because of French training and so forth, and because Eve is Eve. <laughs> I want to follow up on something, because I found very interesting the way you define the market, right? Because I think in the English-speaking context, most people would simply say, all you need for a market is one buyer and one seller. Yes, exchange. You don't, need, you don't need competition, for example, right? And the problem is, in many markets, is that you don't have enough competition, yeah. right? Competition plus price, for me, it would be... But there can be, right? In monopoly or monopsony, there's no competition, right? It's just price. Yeah, just price. Yeah. So, yes, market would be competition plus price. If not, it's... Except that in monopoly, you don't have competition. That's the whole point of competition. Yeah, it, but it's not a market. It's, it's not an official. It's a monopoly. But then you're really de redefining yeah. right, what yes. the meaning of the market is, which yeah. is very Absolutely. different. Right? So if you're saying any market yeah, but what, that doesn't have mm -hmm. monopoly or monopsony or oligopoly or all these other structures. Oligopoly. Oligopoly. Yeah, they have some. Or cartels. <laughs> right? Monopoly, you don't have any competition. But criteria, <laughs> they don't qualify as markets anymore. Yeah. Then I think what we see actually a lot in the contemporary times is the demarketization. Of yes, I agree right? completely. Uh, okay. No, the thing but that that's interesting because right, financialization yeah. would usually mean more markets. So what then would you uh, kind of say more financial market? But you have a lot of financial transactions that are not marketized. Mm. You have to explain this again. What do you mean by that? Right? Because yeah. Okay. But why do I fight? Why do I fight with market? It's because. Okay, uh, if you, it's a, a story inside uh, economic sociology. If you, you know, you, you know maybe this standard narrative about how a sociologist one day decided to look at economics. <laughs> and they, they have decided that uh, economists were talking about markets and so on, and that the sociology were talking about something else. And somehow, someday, sociologists decided that we should not leave the market to the economists. Sure. And what they did, the first, things they did was to show that it was the markets, but defined very narrowly as I defined them here, as, as usually the standard market in economics it's, is defined as with like competition and price and the sociologists say, okay, but it is socially constructed, blah, blah, blah. My point here is that we should absolutely uh, not see market everywhere because a lot of transactions where you have goods against price are not uh, 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 are not happening into a market configuration, which is very special. And I think we need to to get rid of this word to start thinking about the specificities of these other exchanges. And so, because if it is so different from the, let's say the the ideal type of market, maybe market is not anymore an interesting word. That's, that's why I'm fighting with that, because we need to think that, and I, 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 I agree with that, most of the transactions, most of the exchange we have are not on market. So why are we going to use this thing, except that we are paying tributes to <laughs> to uh, the so economist and to yeah. this idea. So just stop 
we have to recognize that it's not the case and but we will be able to think these transactions. Well, can, I, can I quickly maybe like one way to um, sort of to, to, to resolve or like to <laughs> come closer to yeah. some of the differences oh, would a, be like a, a definition yeah because we, we've no? been talking mm. a lot now like sort of about the different concepts and mm -hmm. how, how they sort of mm -hmm. um, how they differ on a meta theoretical yeah. level and maybe be good if we approach it sort of from an empirical side. Yes. What so about maybe it makes more like is that is trying to think this right because I guess what I was struggling with is now under your definition of market you say well under my definition of market there will is not lots of non market transactions. Yes. Under a different definition of market there's sure. only market transaction. So what's the intellectual advantage or what do we gain? Under your definition of markets, that's uh. the thing I don't know. What are we? Oh, what it's are we more narrow. My definition. Sure, but what? Why is it productive? Why does it allow us to see? Because something? I think that when you start thinking of market, I don't know, maybe not for you, but I, usually you just think about you have a lot of uh, things that are taken for granted when you think about market, mm. and I think that if we get like maybe for not for you, mm. but that there is competition that the price is uh, settled by the meeting of the offer and the demand and things like that. All these things are not standing usually in most of, in, the, in a lot, in many transactions, maybe not most, I don't know, <laughs> I've not made the, the statistics. But, and so what if we could change the world and say that you are just have people exchanging and price that are not going from the meeting of the offer and the demand, and that there is no competition, and that maybe even there is no the the, the people that are exchanging or the bodies are that exchanging are not really recognized as participants into a market, and you know, and and this idea that you have, because my interest is about let's say not even exchange is about circulation, no, and so if and so. Maybe you have a, a special way to make, to circulate, which is the market way. Another way to circulate, which maybe it's gift, but you have another way to circulate, which is heritage. I just give you some. <laughs> but even in the in the place where the two parties are free and decide and the free will to exchange, you, you can have different arrangements. That's the only point. I mean, it's interesting to pr pluralize that. Uh, and for example, when you have, a, uh, uh, if you look, think about public policy, if you have like, a, okay, when, a, when if the public sector say that they make a, you say, a bid to get some subsidies, okay, is it a market that you say, okay, there is competition, no, NGOs are fighting to get the subsidies, but the price, is it the price, the market price? But you can compete on quality. Yes, so is it a market that? I don't think it's a market. 
I would just like you to know, interrupt you. So, I think it's interesting to yeah. to uh, open up. To open up. Yeah. Up, one yeah. way I'm suggesting of opening up is using an anthropological perspective, which of course looks a lot of exchange. Yeah. Eve mentioned the question of gifts and so on. And apparently, I, I have a friend who studied anthropology years ago, so bits about it, and I like reading ethnographies. But essentially, um, there are now economic anthropologists who are looking at financialization. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even they're getting in. And I think on building on the basic ideas in anthropology, mm -hmm. it could help develop yeah. what the two of you are talking about. Anthropologists, they are not sure that markets exist as well. <laughs> <laughs> but can, can, yeah, yeah can but you know, it's a like question I, of, the, I think, just to, uh, yes, just to, I think what is interesting is to just to know what we mean when you use words. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> and so we can share that one. I'd be, I'd be actually quite interested yes. because um, like to focus a bit more on actually the empirics. I mean, you, you said you don't do much field work anymore, no. like, but your students don't. But uh, Pauline, are you doing fieldwork still? Or uh, yes. what, what, I can what, talk about my students. <laughs> Perfect. So I'd be interested, like, if we if we could sort of bend these mm. these um, mm. questions of yeah. is it is it a market or is it a fi market logic or financial logic? If you could sort of or maybe yeah, if we could uh, weave it back to like actual empirical the empirical mm. work, mm. so that it might become like sort of. Yes, I mean, uh, I started. Yeah, I started off doing um, lots of interview work, and um, I'm still doing um, interview-based work on a particular diversity project, which is quite difficult. It's within quite different. It's within critical accounting. Um, more recently, in looking at financialization, I've used secondary data, and I was criticized at a workshop fairly recently because I was relying on secondary data when talking about big pharma. And this person said, for goodness sake, you haven't done any senior management interviews. Now, actually, I have done so many interviews in the course of 25 years that interviews cannot be taken at face value because you have to situate the interviews. And if you're talking about an industry as controversial as Big Pharma, you have to think about where they're coming from, their practical issues about how do you get clearance for what you've said, and so on. Um, so interviews are great. Um, I can see they'd be very useful, obviously, in looking at the financialization of daily life, um, you know, that type of approach. Um, with companies, I think they're problems, frankly. Talk a, bit, a little bit more like how financialization sort of happens in the pharma industry. So I'd, yes. I'd be quite interested in sort of that example of the pharma right. industry. Right, well, w one of the issues I've been interested in is um, essentially, is the pharma industry or particular firms, big firms, um, prioritizing what you might call productionist approaches, you know, concentrating heavily on R&D, um, or are they going totally financialized? So uh, one project I've done with somebody else um, is essentially looking at two big pharma firms over a 15-year period. This is using secondary data. One is highly financialized in the terms of, and this is Pfizer, endless M&As, big um, payments back to shareholders. It's a strategy that is financialized or 
it's their capital, which is owned by financial actors. Uh, well, they or do other, or, you know, yes. and it would be a financialized strategy. And yes. Uh, well, I would say their strategy is financialized. Interestingly enough. Pfizer and Eli Lilly, which is at the other end of the spectrum, share a lot of investors in common, which is a puzzle in some respects. Um, so I, I, I'm saying that with Pfizer, they are actually financialized, and the way they are getting new products is largely through M&As, buying pro products that are still under patents. So the interesting question is, two big firms, OK Transnationals, um, in the same country, um, a parent agency to carry out very different strategies. And so what is going on? Of course, the problem with using secondary data is pretty difficult to unpick. But as I said, I don't actually think interviews are necessarily um, the answer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it's not exactly... It's not completely true that I'm not doing field work. I'm, I'm not doing field work. But I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on gathering gray literature. So gray literature and policy yes. papers, yeah. because you know it's field work under my, behind my computer, which is not exactly field work, but at least <laughs> to get a, a flavor of that. But uh, no, my doctoral students usually what happens is that. Uh, now, because I'm this story of uh, financialization of public policy, usually they choose one field of the public policy they are very interested in. And we guess that we will find financialization. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. <laughs> and um, so, um, usually, what they, they, they work at two different levels. The first level is the level of the public policies. And what they try to to show it as far as the funding, the funding of the public policies. Well, there are some changes in the history of funding or funding. For example, one of my PhD students is working on social housing, and so uh, she is comparing Italy and France, and so she did a history of the funding scheme for social housing in France and, and Italy. And then she has been uh, recruited uh, for six months in, in every country uh, into social housing organization. And she studied uh, the, the organization. She's doing archival work. She all the reports and so on, and also, of course, observation of uh, nowadays. And she did also that for Italy. It's a nightmare, this thesis, because she's doing two theses at the same time. <laughs> but she was financed by a special fund about Italy, that's why. And so, and so what she, for example, what she tries to, to look, it's to look at the history of the, the two social housing organizations that are really that are not supposed to make money because they are serving very very poor people the the poorest category of the, the inhabitants and they she shows how the, the the history of the funding policy impact the business model let's talk it like that and other people inside the organization struggle with that and so 
there is the financialization can be seen at the level of the public policy. In that case, not a lot, more in Italy than in France, but in that case, it was not really financialization, but a shift, as has been experienced, for example, in the US, that's for the US, uh, from subsidies to uh, construction of social housing to subsidies to people renting, you know, subsidies of the, of the rentals, of the inhabitants. So, which is a big change in public policy where the money goes to uh, the consumers and not anymore to the producers. So this shift has happened in France, as in most of countries. But there is not really something like financialization. Whereas in Italy, they just cut every, uh, every funding to uh, so public social housing and they decided to open up a new investment fund <laughs> that, uh, and where the big foundation are asked to contribute to build new social housing that will be sold in eight years from now. It's a bit like the German case, you know, where the <laughs> German case, social housing is, is very, is somehow financialized as well because there, there are some subsidies and after eight years the buildings are sold or ten years they are sold to to private holders, so it's another way of looking at that. So it's one way of working to look at really the the way the financing uh, housing for poor is is constructed and its evolution. And at the level of the the organization, um, she tries to see if they are or not financialized. In her case, they are not so much. They, um, because um, they, they, they are still with uh, very poor people, and so it's very difficult to, to get money to <laughs> help poor people. <laughs> but she can find things like selling flats, uh, getting some uh, surplus value from selling flats, in, uh, in, and to use this surplus value to to finance others, so it will really depend on the on the sector of activities. And uh, um, last last week, I had one of my PhD students. He defended a thesis about um, uh, municipal bonds, which were not existing in France, uh, almost not existing, and now you have a new initiative for that. So this, in that case, this is really financialization. It's a long answer. You could look okay. at social. Um, I think yeah. I. Okay. In UK, yeah. yes. Yes, but, yes, but you know, she's on France and, uh, and, and Italy. Italy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, she pr yes yeah. there's a lot of. Uh, I think I would take the chance now to yeah. maybe open up as well. Yeah. I think we're pretty much in time. We started 10 minutes late, so that we have like half an hour of uh, people who haven't had the chance or people to had talk the chance. To I mean, it worked quite well with the interactivity already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 but maybe like, I Privileged people haven't yeah. asked the question yet. Yeah, um, yeah, but three people have already. To maybe put some put some <laughs> questions forward. Uh, okay. okay. You have already. Yeah, yeah, yes, please. Well, I, I mean, maybe it's a good place to, re to start the conversation because I, I just wanted to ask again the really basic question. Yes. What is financial? What is financial? <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have the same definition. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sort of 
proposing necessarily. Yeah. I'm just interested if it's not this thing of marketization. Can we come up? If with it some is not, or if it is. If it isn't associated, if if we need to conceptually yeah. separate. It's orthogonal. From okay, <laughs> but it's associated. But if we need to differentiate it somehow, yeah. then what? <laughs> What in really simple terms are we looking at? We talk looking talk at about return to finance and sort of summarise it at the different levels of analysis. If you're talking at the individual level, the meso level that I look, or at the macro level. Do you think that's okay? Just a few words to describe uh, it? Sorry, what was it? Okay. Turn uh, the, 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 the turn to finance. Turn in terms of what? Turning. Well, something for, into well, for example, what? if you were talking about Greta Krippner's work on the financialization of the U.S. economy, you would talk about um, the share of earnings from finance, financial services, in GDP. Well, her, her best-known work was 2005, and she was comparing it to sort of 40 years earlier, I think. So that would cover that obviously then if you were talking at the level of the individual person which in many ways Eve, Eve is very interested in you could sort of use Randy Martin's um, sort of ideas of um, really that um, individuals are now being encouraged or forced to think of themselves as sort of entrepreneurs you know whereas previously they've been defined benefit pensions and so on. Um, and then at the level I look at, different you could talk about um, you know the stress on shareholder value approaches um, in running non-financial corporations. But you can argue with those, but that, that's just what I'm suggesting. Mm -hmm. So you want a complete answer? <laughs> <laughs> no the, Financialization, you know, if you just you analyze the world, it's the process of having more finance, no? <laughs> no process, it's very important. Ization, the process, I, I just explained. <laughs> and more finance, but what does it mean, more finance? So it can be more financial actors in situation mm. or more uh, and wh what financial actor? We have to add something. <laughs> and so for me, I would not say more, um, I would say more um, that ca very special kind of actors that are uh, managing money for others mainly. No. Mm. It would be my financial actors. I guess you know the Fruit et al. work on this, the Manchester group, where they talk a lot about the different financial actors. Mm -hmm. but because I, I don't know. Yeah, but for, why, why do, do I say that? Because, for example, uh, the history of capitalism has always been associated with finance people. No? <laughs> but, for example, is bank, uh, are bank financial actors? It depends how you define financial actors. I think the banks, which is uh, gathering uh, savings, making loans, for me, it's uh, old fashioned financial actor is not a financialized actor, mm. okay, but if we look at uh, all the investment funds and so on, and they are financialized and the banks are financialized because now they are, if you look at the, the, the balance sheet, the balance sheet of a bank, now it's completely different from how it was like uh, 30 mm. years ago. Mm. So, okay, so 
And universities. And, and universities. <laughs> and so it will be more financial actors and also more all these people that are serving financial actors, like audit firms, mm. uh, lawyers, um, evaluators. So, or it can be more uh, uh, financialized metrics. And again, we have to say it's not every metrics. Now, just I, I just uh, explain. <laughs> Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, uh, it's, which means that it's not a cost, uh, a cost, calculation of cost, it's not financialized metrics for me. But you have diff special way to look at things and to make calculations that are financialized. Uh, and you can find these in, usually in finance textbook. <laughs> okay, so you have more of the finance textbooks in the situation. Uh, or you can you have more finance uh, motives, like motives, which is more or less getting return on investment. <laughs> uh, so for me, you know, you, and or you can have more money for capital order, which is another another definition, or you can have more profit made by financial activities. But behind all these definitions, you have a different stream of research and so on, but it's always a story, more of something that is finance in a situation, in stories and what. Okay. Yes. So you see Go no ahead. market? <laughs> I'd like to pick up on what you just finished, yes, more money. First time we mentioned money. Yeah. Right? We're talking about financialization without talking about money. Mm -hmm. Isn't that problematic in and of itself? We're talking okay. about financialization of a bank. Right? And you talk in the piece you send us, you talk about liquidity. Right? So so there's clearly a link to you know, money and credit and the processes yeah. and how it moves. Mm. Yeah. So but then conceptually we're still in an abstract form of money yeah. in the treatment. Isn't that problematic? Shouldn't it be operated and how would we do Yes, you you mean about the connection with the the theory of money creation or about money like um, cash? In what <laughs> meaning? The money you have in your pocket or the theory of monetary creation and things like that? You mean liquidity <laughs> is what you talk about? I'm sorry. Liquidity is obviously what you talk yeah. about in your liquidity chapter. Liquidity is not about really money. Well, it's sort of on the spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. How not? No, but uh, yeah. Yes, if you want. It's important to be able to convert it into money, yes. So you need to have an institution, the money institution. No, my, my point is, is it, uh, do you want to engage in, a, um, in institutional economics? Talking about what are the foundation of money and so on, or do you want to talk about cash flows? You know, that was that's the process that of financialization and impact on how we think about money or how money functions. Right? If you talk about the financialization of the bank, it means there are different practices of how the bank okay. makes a loan, extends credit. Yeah. So there's clearly a monetary process. And yes. Question okay. Of the money yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, so this, uh, this part, that's why I was trying to understand what you mean. So yes, of course, the, but the, you have a, a financial economists, even critical financial economists, that are working on that, for example, in France, Michel Aguilletta, 
or, or his students, and they really want to look at the impact of uh, the change in the financial organization have on monetization, or they would look at the, the policy of the central bank, the quantitative easing, and how it uh, add money in the story and so on. Uh, of Yes, it, uh, and so we could also look at that. I'm not looking at that because I'm not competent at all. Uh, because it's very complex, it's ma financial macroeconomics more or less, and so yes, I have some colleagues doing that, but uh, and they explained to me that it's very a big part of the story, of course, especially when they look at financial stability. Um, but um, no, I was when I was talking before about money. What I was referring about, you know, the standard work about. Uh, the shift in the share of the value added toward capital or the, the, the statistics that we have now about the, the importance of the financial uh, profit into the non-financial firm, you know, like in automotive industry, for example, where they make more money by doing making loans rather than <laughs> by selling cars, or things like that. Yeah. I was referring to that. But of course, you have all this whole field, uh, which is financial macroeconomist. But I wonder, even in your work, to what extent it's kind of okay to abstract from money? Because if you talk about financing techniques for yes. firms, which are becoming more financialized, yeah. and they're relying more on money markets, money markets yes. products, yes. Uh, repurchase agreements, all these kinds of things. So if we just kind of separate that and say it's just no, the thing is that what is the research questions you have? If the, that's my point. If the in the okay, uh, my I'm not. Uh, for example, uh, I'm not. I could be interested in that. The financial the financialization of public policy overall it creates more debt. Would be could be a hypothesis, but I think it's it stands. No? For example, with the education story, uh, the students are there are more loans, so it's more debt. So you are more monetary creation. Okay. So and then you can ask uh, on which it is based, who is going to reimburse, who is going to be exploited if you're a Marxist person, and so on. And or you could think about who is guarantee that. Is there any uh, central bank or state warranty behind that, and on what kind of uh, political power the, the, this monetary emission is based, and so on. And you see, f from the same questions, you can have different research questions. And I, I do not look at what my colleagues in financial economics would be would look like. Uh, like, what is the sovereignty of a state? What is to creating money and so on. I'm not looking at that, which does not mean that I don't think it is interesting. Yeah. Did you want to say something I'm about sorry, money? I, 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 yeah, I was just uh, thinking, I, I think I said it briefly before, as I see the link between actual sort of physical and money and um, financialization is what 
essentially Eve wrote in various parts of her chapter, where um, you, you essentially, in all financialized ways of thinking, you're always focusing on liquidity, as you say, whether you're doing discounted cash flow. Um, when you're um, looking at, I think we were talking, you talk in your paper about um, valuing, say, assets and that. You look at the financial, um, the economic role and the use value. So I think it's that concern with liquidity which links the sort of money to financialization, um, which is sort of quite simplistic, but it sort of works for me. <laughs> Could I, um, I think Marco wanted to, did he have a question? Uh, yes, I have a question. And you said financialization is a process because you have this action suffix. Action, yes. Yeah, and then, yeah, similar to economization, capitalization, yes. colonialization, commodification. Uh, and so some of the people working on, on those sort of concepts, however conceptual, distinguishable they are or not, um, seem to assume that there is. Um, that financial capitalism has, has this logic of expansion and so therefore this, those processes are always somehow teleological, you know, it has always more things financialized uh, or new territories are turned into commodities or collateral that can then be used to uh, um, uh, connect to the financial system and then somehow uh, create um, financial gains or returns. Um, but you say, also, somewhere, uh, I think in, in a different paper, you say that we have to get rid of those action suffixes and, and only retain the heuristic power, because sometimes, and that's, I think, something... The theological, the theological uh, connotation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes. And I think in this chapter you say, because sometimes it just doesn't work out, you have the instruments in place, so to, to use your uh, yes, terms, you have the problematization in terms of a, of a financial problem, you have the tangibilization, and you have the financial structuring, but then the thing is somehow not connected to, 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 to global finance or the financial uh, uh, system, right? Mm -hmm. So there so, is no financialization? Yeah, so it's not a theological process, or, mm -hmm. or maybe it's in the beginning, but it has stopped somewhere, mm -hmm. or didn't work out as, as expected by financiers or people who structured it that way, right? So um, my question would be, what other examples uh, besides Impact bonds? Can mm. you can you offer to to, to, to kind of illustrate what this financialization point? or failure? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, what you prefer to as weak financialization, where you only have instruments in place, but actually not not not, not the rest okay. of the story. So that's the first part of the question. The second part would be, um, what about this logic of expansion? So why do we have to get rid of, or, or why do we have to be maybe more cautious when we use those, that this idea of financialization being a process, a process of constant expansion. Okay. Um, okay, we, okay, I think failure of financialization, <laughs> there is, we have a lot of, especially when you look at uh, public policies, you, you have 
UK is a very good country because usually the, <laughs> the experiments go a little bit further than in other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, but th this does not mean that it works. Uh, but uh, for example, in France now, yes, like 10 days ago, the, the Prime Minister has declared that we are going to make uh, extra European, uh, extra community, uh, EU <laughs> students to pay much more education, whereas we have the tradition of free education. And so, and then it is backed by economists who explain that we need to develop loads and so on. So here you have a project which is a, yeah, of uh, developing financialization. I don't know where, where it will go. Maybe it will not be as completed as uh, in UK. Uh, hopefully, I hope no. <laughs> I hope the students and uh, the high school uh, students will be on the street soon with the, you know, with the yellow jacket. Maybe it will happen. We know. We don't. We never know in France. Sometimes <laughs> they had some high school students on this. Uh, yes, they have already the started. I think now we the, the university are mobilizing also <laughs> because, especially my university, because we have like one third of uh, extra EU students, so they will stop having PhD people for now. So I just stop. So we have plenty of uh, uh, of cases where. The project of financializing uh, can be stopped and so on. Uh, so yes, and so and and sometimes it's just because it's not interesting for finan pure financiers to enter in this uh, in these fields. Um, and so, what about the, the process? Okay, here it's a question of belief, huh? <laughs> almost. <laughs> it's not a research question. Uh, I think that as a belief, I think in what I mean by capitalism is this uh, it's this tension towards more accumulation. No? And so, of course, Financialization, if it is looking for return on any investment, capital investment, it could be another definition. Uh, there is this, at least, I don't know, embedded project in the system, but this does not mean that it's the, the direction of the history. Uh, because, uh, for example, if we look at, uh, we could look at the uh, the construction of the welfare state uh, as a process of uh, decommodification, democratization, and so on. So it is possible to subtract. It's not only a question of capitalism growing or financialization growing and beating another things. We had we have also had many uh, examples of a different way of handling the, with the needs which are not the traditional one, which is not capitalist one, for example, with, uh, with the social transfer. What is social transfer? It's not old-fashioned story. It's very new story, new, like a 20th century <laughs> uh, invention. It is not capitalism for me. It's not a traditional thing. It has been a, something different. So that's just, just an example. So I think you have 
um, I'm not sure there's a theology, but there is a, uh, I don't know, a systemic organization that pushed towards that, and it's what worried me with financialization, because you have this concentration of power into few hands that is getting the, the, the system more um, structurally bend, binding, maybe I can say that. So maybe it's... Great, I think like we actually have uh, run out of time, so uh, I'll, I'll just uh, cut the Q&A by here. Um, still, uh, thank you very much for mm -hmm. the thank dialogue, you. which was very lively. Which no, is it was a dialogue with the... Uh, that's what we try to end, and maybe let you think. Thank you for the invitation, and now we yeah. want to...